This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today, our guest is a special friend. Her name is Sister Rose Picotti. Yes, we're going to talk to a sister. And I have to explain how we met because I was terrified of Sister Rose at first. When the (laughs) Netflix series, The Keepers, came out, I was given a person at Netflix that was supposed to give me guidance, which is kind of hard to do for Gemma, right? Sister Rose contacted me and asked for an interview. And then I had to call Netflix, my person, and then they had to say whether it was okay or not because I knew nothing and actually had given an interview to a tabloid before I had a person. So I got in trouble for that. And when Sister said she was a nun, I was like, oh my gosh, here's a fallen Catholic and a nun wants to interview me. So I was a little nervous. So I got in touch with my person at Netflix and told them that Sister Rose Picotti wanted to interview me. And before I hardly got her name out of my mouth, they were like, oh my gosh, we love Sister Rose. She's one of the best movie critics in Hollywood. And she's such a cool nun. And yes, you absolutely want to take her interview. So what they did then was they called Sister and they set it up. And then they put us on the phone together. We thought this was funny because it was like going around the block. And then the person stays on the phone with me in case I say something I'm not supposed to say. Or if Sister Rose asks me a question I'm not supposed to answer, they just interrupt. Thank goodness that didn't happen. So with all that said, I want to welcome my special friend, Sister Rose. Hi, Sister. Hi, Gemma. Thank you for that lovely introduction. I just feel like you're my special buddy now. I know I unload on you a lot, but I trust you and you're pretty tenacious and you you know what time it is. Yeah, but the reason that we're talking to Sister Rose today is because so many of you listeners had asked about how Kathy and Russell either left the convent, didn't leave the convent. And Shane and I are getting as confused as everybody else because of the way things were then. So Sister Rose has offered graciously 
to explain all that to us. And I think everybody will appreciate this because this has been a bone of contention. Nobody really understands what the situation was. So uh, Shane's going to take over here and hope you enjoy the program. All right, Sister Rose. So you mentioned that you've listened to the podcast, so you're probably well aware that I don't know a lot about Catholicism. So we're definitely glad to have you on to get your input. Thank you for inviting me. Our first question is, some people are confused as to why or whether Sister Kathy or and Sister Russell were still in the convent. Can you explain to us, as you understand it from watching the Keepers, what their church or what their status was? Yes, sure. It's really, that was a really interesting time in 1969, and it was also a very trying time. So after the Second Vatican Council that ran from 1962 to 65, lots of women's congregations began to experiment with different lifestyles. And to go back a bit further, sisters used to always be in the convent, only living and praying and working. That was, they were contemplatives. In the 1600s, nuns started reaching out to the community to be teachers, to work with the poor. There was the visitation nuns, the Sisters of Loretto, who I think were the first, one of the first, and the Daughters of Charity of St. Vincent de Paul. Even before the French Revolution and before Germany started their huge cultural comp, there were sisters reaching out into the community. But they got approval to do that on a case-by-case basis from the church. In 1917, the church issued a revised code of canon law. I think it was one of the first times it was ever revised. And then sisters and congregations that had blossomed out after the French Revolution to meet the needs of the poor and teachers and to provide teachers, especially for girls, they existed by exemption, which meant that technically our lifestyle was still supposed to be that of cloistered nuns, but uh, we could go out and have schools and hospitals and such. In 1983, that all changed, but this is the context in which Vatican II occurred when it went before revision of canon law and said that sisters could do all of these things, go out in the community, proclaim the word uh, by action and by teaching. So after Vatican II, some sisters had been prepping for this all the way through the 1950s when Pope Pius XII told the nuns to get an education. He told them to modify their habits because of hygiene, if you can believe that as being a major reason, but it was. So a lot of sisters, a lot of communities around the world were really anxious to really go out into the world and meet the signs of the times and things like that. Or that would be how they would have phrased it at that time in in 1969. So Sister Kathy and Sister Russell, as per my understanding of the keepers and the research that I've done, would have been in a status called exclaustration. Now, there are two ways to take a leave from your religious community and still have your vows and still be a sister. One is called a leave of absence, and depending on the community, but it allows up to three years to take care of your parents. You still wear your habit. The community, you're still, you can still be elected to an office in the community. The community provides for you. Uh, that could be education, could be another reason, and then helping parents. That seems to be a key one. Exclaustration has a different purpose, however. That's when a sister asks permission to live outside the community and she will not wear her habit and she will be responsible to provide for herself. 
And that's what Kathy and Russell were doing. They were working in a public school. They weren't wearing a habit. And Kathy was on her way to cash her paycheck that night, which meant that she was supporting herself. So the reasons that why would a person ask for X here, we have two possible motivations. One would be that they wanted to experiment in a new lifestyle, maybe in view of leaving. It might have been like a step towards actually getting a dispensation from their vows and leaving the community permanently. The second reason could be they were experimenting. And in order to experiment, because canon law hadn't yet been updated. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery holding up? Mine's been draining lately, consumed by the darkness of true crime tales. But amidst the shadows, it's crucial to remember to prioritize our mental well-being. Just like unraveling a twisted plot, therapy helps me untangle the knots in my mind. It's about gaining clarity, finding strength, and reclaiming control over your life. Considering therapy, BetterHelp offers a lifeline in the darkness. It's completely online giving you the freedom to seek help in your own terms. And with a simple questionnaire, you can be matched with a licensed therapist who understands your unique struggles. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com foul today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash foul, F-O-U-L. The only way they could do this to go live among the poor, so to speak, Um, although I'm not sure they were actually living among the poor, but maybe in a public school, they saw it as serving the poor that way. They would have needed to be exclaustrated, to be on their own and see if they could live religious life like that. But usually you're exclaustrated for a period of one year that can then be renewed. It's also a time when you might want to, you're questioning and discerning whether you want to stay in religious life. And if I understood the keepers correctly, and you can correct me here, Gemma, that Kathy had a romantic interest. She was exploring the relationship option, was it? Was she not? I don't want to answer that because Kathy is probably like tapping me on the shoulder right now saying, Jerry and I were friends. And I think, okay. that, yeah, I think that whatever decision she was making was not based on him. Okay. Then if I, that's the case, then we may never really know why she and Russell were exclaustrated unless some friend out there might know and might want to call into the podcast and let you know. The reasons would be, would be in a letter that she would have written for permission to do this. That letter would have gone to her provincial superior and her counsel, and they would have considered her reasons and granted her the exclustration, but it would have, I think it might have also had to go through their general aid to their mother general and her counsel for the final permission. I think in our community, leave of absence can be done on a provincial level, but exclustration has to be done through the general government, but provincial first thing general. So I think that because there was such upheaval in the church after Vatican II, nuns were doing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> that maybe Rome wasn't prepared for. They certainly didn't, they really hadn't thought ahead. I take the case of Sister Corita Kent and the IHM sisters in Los Angeles. They and other communities were, just like Sister Kathy's community, were doing experimentations in their mission, in their ministry, in their lifestyle. 
for some reason, Cardinal McIntyre really picked on the IHM sisters. And Sister Corita herself, before Cardinal McIntyre um, kind of forced the sisters to disband, or most of them to disband, Corita Kent, instead of asking for exclaustration, asked for a sabbatical. And that's like comparison to a leave of absence because she was living outside the community. She wasn't wearing the habit. And after six months, she asked straight directly to Rome for a dispensation of her vows. She never went into the exclaustration process, which is probably the normal route for someone who's discerning whether or not they're going to stay or leave, or they're in an, an, a stage of experimentation with religious life. As I said, it usually lasts a year. However, for some reason, Kathy and Russell's superiors said, no, you have to decide by June 1st if you're coming back or not. That was like a six-month leave of absence, if I'm not mistaken. That would have been unusual, and it makes me think that somebody in Rome or the higher-up were putting pressure to rein in the sisters who were doing some kind of experimentation. But to go back to the motivations of why Sister Kathy and Russell asked for this, I'm sure that in the records of the school sisters of Notre Dame, there are the letter that, that they would, the letters they would have written to ask permission with their motivations very well outlined. And the fact that their generally, general government would have given them permission to go on this exclaustration journey means that they did clearly state their motivation. Those letters, I would bet you anything that they're in the files of the sisters of the, their provincial house, you, we will never be able to have access to them. And that's because those letters are they're sacrosanct to a religious community. It's the story of a sister's journey, her spiritual journey. And that's not something that they would want to open up and share with anyone unless compelled to do either civilly or religiously, but they would probably fight it on every level so that the, those letters wouldn't be made public. When I was doing research for my book on Corita Kent that was published by Liturgical Press two years ago, I was right there where they keep their archive, where this ecumenical community that grew out of the disbanding of most of the IHM congregation there in Los Angeles. And this, the former sister in charge said to me, oh, sister, not even a writer writing a biography of one of our most famous people would be allowed to see her file, to see her letters, like even why she wanted to enter the convent. So that's the long and short of it. Sister Rose, I have, I'm going to ask for you to define a couple words for those sure. listeners who were not raised Catholic. Sure. Could you explain what the word cloister means? Okay, so I'm not going to be able to give you the etymology of it, but what it means okay. is closure. It means uh-huh. enclosure. And it, the cloister is either the religious house, the house where monks or nuns live, or even sisters. Part of our house is a cloister, and that would be our dormitory area, where only people who are accompanied, like workmen or something like that, are allowed to come in. Or rarely someone would be a relative, a female relative would be allowed to stay with us. But you've got like the Carmelite order, You've got the visitation order is semi-cloistered still, where they are, they they have schools, but they also live a very a very regulated lifestyle, a conventual lifestyle, which means they go by the hours. They have their the they pray the office. 
several hours of the day, I think five, and the day and night for some contemplative orders. So to be a cloistered nun means that you take solemn vows to poverty, chastity, and obedience, and often you take one of stability. And that means that you're going to stay in that monastery or that abbey or that convent for the rest of your life. And that's what nuns do. And uh, not all may take that vow of stability, depending on what specific constitutions or rules have been written that they have their founders wrote for them or that have been approved by the church. But that's basically what a cloister is. It's, it's where nuns or monks live and where outsiders may not come without permission. Okay. It's interesting because the Carmelites have an, a house, a convent near Baltimore. And when uh-huh. I was a child, my aunt um, would take us to see the sisters. Couldn't see them. There was like a big round, they called it a turn. That's oh, right. something you'd see in a liquor store to keep from getting shot. And so we would pick these flowers that would be half dead, like dandelions, and we'd put them oh. on the turn and send them around. And we would wait for the nuns on the other side to say, oh, these are just beautiful. Thank you. And I'm thinking now she's probably throwing a million dandelions in the trash next to the turn. But I was fascinated by that, that we could hear them. They were always sweet. I couldn't see them, but then they would send us like a prayer card or, you know, something, a, a cookie or something back. Oh, you would have turn. Yeah. And so the other term I was going to ask you to explain is the word contemplative. Okay. So everybody can be a contemplative, somebody who spends time in quiet prayer, in meditation or in some form of communication with God. And that's contemplation. A contemplative order is one that lives that lifestyle all day long. For example, they probably don't speak more than an hour a day. Mm. And that would be when the community gathers together. Otherwise, if they speak through the superior, they don't really speak directly to each other. Or they, some Trappist, um, Trappist and Trappistines are known for their sign that they've developed sign language. One time I made a silent retreat in Scotland where I was studying in England for my master's degree and I had to wait for all the my dissertation and things to get approved. And so I went and made a silent retreat in Scotland. I have to tell you that within, I don't know, 24 hours, we were all total strangers except a few who came as a group, like the Jesuit novices and whatnot. But we were all communicating using face, facial expressions and sign language. We just picked up. It was very interesting. And I think that happens in religious life too. So they live in silence. They live in prayer. They foster union with God in their lifestyle. And in their work is actually to pray for the needs of the world. If you ask them what their purpose is, that's what they will tell you. That's a perfect segue. I have a comment about your earlier explanation of Ruff and Kathy. Uh, I have a friend who just shared with me that he spoke to Kathy a whole year before she left. And uh, uh-huh. she shared with him that she was thinking about it at the, as much as a year before that, that she was frustrated because she didn't feel like she could make the impact she wanted to make and to and not working with people outside the school. 
Looking for a new way to unwind after a long day? Say hello to Recess Mood, a healthier alternative that keeps your evenings light and your spirit high. With Recess Mood, you get the pleasure without the guilt. Made with real fruit and infused with mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing adaptogens, Recess Mood lets you relax without alcohol or hangovers. It's just 20 calories per can, has no added sugar, and comes in four delightful flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. I've tried these myself, and whether I'm chilling at home or need a moment during downtime chaos, Recess Mood is my go-to refreshment. It's truly a guilt-free way to unwind. And now there's something special for all our listeners. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com shane and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So I think that she was maybe a little bit like you and I are, sister, like a little bit of, excuse me, badass and wanted to just get out there and mix it up with people. And I think she was frustrated being at Keo all the time. The other thing is that in talking to her family, they explained to me that she wrote them all a letter, like everybody got the same letter explaining what she was going to do and that would have been like in April and that she would have until December to make a decision. So I guess that's where the six month thing comes oh, in. So does that make but sense? They, yeah, sure. If then they were given a specific timetable for their experiment. Yeah. Yeah. But one thing that confuse then one thing I question though is that letter that they received that they had to decide by January 1st, why was that sent to them if they already knew? I have a copy of the letter. I can read it really quick if you would like to hear it. Oh, okay. Oh, please uh, do. Please you don't do. Mean, you have the one that they were sent or the one that Kathy sent? The one that Kathy sent. Right. The one she sent to other people telling them what she was doing. Correct. Well, we don't why have- don't you go? Why don't why don't you go ahead and read that, though? That would be interesting to read. Yeah. Okay. So she typed it June 1st, 1969. A warm hello. Please don't throw this away as though it were unimportant. I have chosen this very ordinary way to communicate an extraordinary piece of information. For at least two years, myself and a few of the sisters I live with have been quite concerned with the way we have been living religious life. We have felt that the current way is not the best way for us. We wanted very much to live a much more flexible, 
life in which we could put ourselves more openly and freely at the service of others. We have requested this form of life in the order. We have been finally and officially refused. This has created a pressure and a tension, which we have resolved in the following way. One, we have requested a leave of absence for a period of one year. Two, we will, in this year, live the life as we see as a positive value for us. Three, we will take private vows comparable to chastity and a promise to live in a form of community of service. Four, we will live in an apartment here in Baltimore City. Five, we are hoping for jobs in the Baltimore public schools or in the private industry. Six, we have commitments for the summer and will join together in August. And seven, my address will vary because I am engaging in a series of workshops and retreats. And then she lists the addresses that they're going to be changing to. And then she ends the letter by saying, I write this to you so that you will have the truth concerning our situation. You are therefore free to accept or reject what I have written and what I am doing. But you, all of you, have brought me to this time and place in my life. And for that, I am deeply grateful. My love for God's people is richer and warmer because you have shown me that he is present and where he is present. I hope you will continue to be for me all that you have been and continue to urge me to love even more. Shalom, Sister Janita, now Sister Miss Catherine Sesnick. And that's the end of the letter. Okay, wow. That explains everything. Now she's calling it a leave of absence, but... Is that because she wasn't given permission? No, actually... with that type, what she's saying there, she should have been exclaustrated, which I think it was her status. I would bet that's her status. When she, That's why they were given the deadline to come back. Because what she's describing is a state of exclaustration, not a leave of absence. Uh, even what she said uh, will take a, like a vow of chastity. That's very interesting. That means that they didn't intend to have a superior, that there wouldn't be any issue about obedience. And because mm-hmm. they would be working with their own money, then that would preclude, they would be, how do you say it, disposing of their own money. Then that mm-hmm. would mean that they were not living poverty at the time. Usually right. when you're exclaustrated, you're still required to live your vows. So I think, if anything, the school sisters of Notre Dame had to have a final answer as to whether they were going to come or going to go. And it sounds like they were already decided that this they were just going to go. Because it sounds yeah. that they have officially been refused. But they're going to do They were anyway. refused to leave. They were refused the leave of absence to do what they wanted to do. So what well, probably well, me- the mechanism that would have gone into place would have been exclaustration, at least for a period of time, which and they asked until the six month period there. So she framed it. And it must have been their community doing due diligence, because once you go into a this kind of juridical state, all of a sudden all the rules go into play. It becomes very legal. And it almost seems like it turns very cold. The relationship turns cold. And that's why she would have gotten that letter saying, you have to decide by January 1st to come back or not. This is it. This is the final thing. And that that makes sense. That makes sense to me. 
I do think it's also interesting that at the end of the letter, she signs it as Sister Joanita, now Sister or Miss Catherine Sesnick. Yeah, so she was pretty much, they were pretty much dispensing themselves. But what tells me that they were still considered members of the community, although really at the margins, would have been that letter telling them to decide by January 1st to come or go. They, that means juridically, their status was not clear. It might have been clear in their own minds, but they hadn't really, it, her letter doesn't seem to say that we have left the community. They're just going, if they're living outside the community, they're not going to go by the name sister. So to me, it seems that letter that they received telling them about January 1st, if you look from there backwards, it means they were still considered members of the community. So they, she was still a sister then at when she was abducted and killed. That would be my point. Yeah. And I guess that helps explain the next question that, okay, they're supporting themselves, but they're still nuns, correct? But they're not really, they're not really nuns. They're sisters. What's nuns the are, oh, that's a good question. Wow. So, I didn't know. Okay, all nuns are sisters, but not all sisters are nuns. So the difference is a nun lives in a cloistered monastery, religious house, convent, abbey. And she takes those solemn vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience and a vow of stability. That's a nun. And that's... Active sisters or sisters who live the apostolic life are sisters. We're they call us nuns. I think it's just shorthand in popular culture. It's easier to do because you wear a habit, you're a nun. But we take simple vows: the poverty, chastity, and obedience. A sister who takes a solemn vow. Oh, even for us, we have because we're a papal community. We have to be dispensed through if we want to leave. We have to be dispensed through the Vatican. So. The solemn vows are harder to, to di- be dispensed from. So a, a nun in a cloistered community, she can be dispensed, but it's a, it's more, let's say it's more legal work to be dispensed from your vows if you're in a cloistered community. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> beginning to, but I never knew that. Could you, I have a request since you're a writer, could you do like the convent for dummies? That's oh, sure. That would be okay. excellent a resource because <laughs> I had no idea that nuns just. So you are a sister. I'm a sister, but That's you're right. not a nun. I am not a nun. Okay, That's very interesting. <laughs>
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.